This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to Worth Recovery, a podcast featuring women in sex addiction. I'm Amy. I'm a recovering sexaholic, and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. In our last episode, episode five, we discussed what it means to practice recovery. If you haven't listened to that episode, I'd highly recommend it before going forward with episode six. It's going to provide the background of what we're going to discuss today. We, we talked about how practicing is a principle that we all know and we have an understanding of. We know that in order to maintain a proficiency of any kind in music, sports, computer programming, mathematics, driving, running, drawing, cooking, or reading, whatever it is, we have to practice. And like I said last time, practice is a verb. Dictionary.com defines it this way. To perform an activity or skill repeatedly and regularly in order to improve and maintain one's proficiency. Practice means we repeat something over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in a manner that improves our proficiency at that activity or skill. We can practice things in a way that doesn't improve our proficiency. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But the type of practicing we're talking about improves our proficiency at that activity or that skill. In our last episode, I shared the story of the first explorers that reached the South Pole. On December 14, 1911, Roald Amundsen was the first man to ever reach the South Pole, and he was able to claim that for his country, Norway. One of the biggest contributing factors to his success was his strategic approach to the long trek on the ice, like we talked about, his 20-mile march. Now, I, I kind of alluded last time, but for most of my life, I have not been a marcher. I've been a fair weather sprinter. When things are good, I'd pick up my camp and I would move like crazy. I'd make a decision and full of all sorts of hope and motivation. I would sprint to the finish line with everything in me. But at the first sign of trouble or storm or anything that could even remotely resemble trouble, I'd pitch my tent, crawl in, hunker down, and wait for the storm to pass. Not really making progress, not moving forward by any means, and definitely not practicing recovery. After studying the experiences of Scott and Amundsen on the trek to the South Pole, the conclusion I came to was this. I must practice recovery out of discipline and not out of emotion. Every day. Every day. No matter what storm is raging outside or inside, because that's usually where my storms rage is on the inside, I must pick up my camp and move my 20 miles every single day. I can't let the weather, my job, my family, my friends, or anything else get in the way. Some days the 20 miles are easy. Some days it takes everything I have to move 20 miles, all my energy, all my attention, all my focus, just to move my 20 miles. And maybe I don't even move 20 miles. Maybe it's only five or 10 or 12 or 18, but I move. I pick up my camp 
and I move. I must practice recovery out of discipline and not out of emotion. So today's focus is how do we do that? How do we become good practicers? How do we find that discipline to move our recovery forward every day? Not just on the days we feel motivated or desperate, because those are the kind of the two extremes for me, right? Not just the days when things are going good or going awful, because then I feel like I've got to do something, but every single day. And that is what discipline is. It's moving every day, even when I don't want to, even when it's hard, even when everything in me says, no, don't do it. Discipline says yes. Today, you will move forward. So I'm going to tell you how I got started, and I'm going to give you some suggestions on how you can get started. I did, um, I put these suggestions in a worksheet that you can get on the website. It's worthrecovery.com. Just go to the podcast tab, and today's podcast, there's a, a button for a download for the worksheet. Okay, so let's get started. I'll tell you what I did. I made a list. I'm incredibly literal. And I made a list of 20 things that I was going to do every day to move my camp forward. I called it my 20 mile march list. And some of them were little. I wanted more order in my life. So one of them was making my bed. I know it sounds stupid, but it worked. I wanted to enjoy nature more. So one of them was spending 30 minutes outside. Here, you know what? I'll just read you my very first list. So this isn't my current list, but this is the list I started with. My very first list. One, morning prayer. Two, affirmations. Three, gratitude journal. Four, gratitude email. Five, make my bed. Told you it was on there. Six, recovery reading. Seven, recovery contact. Eight, step work, at least 15 minutes. Nine, scripture reading, 15 minutes. 10, 30 minutes outside. See, told you that was on there too. 11, drink a gallon of water. 12, eat on plan. 13, exercise. 14, contact my sponsor, 15, stretching, 16, family contact, 17, rigorous honesty, 18, journal writing, 19, bed by 10, electronics out by 1030, and 20, evening prayer. Now, some of those things might not make sense to you, like stretching. Why is stretching on my list? Well, I have like a hip problem, and so if I don't do my stretches on a regular basis, then they lock up on me. And I wasn't good at doing that. Even though it was like detrimental to my health, I wasn't good. I wasn't a good practicer. I wasn't good at doing the things I needed to do on a daily basis to move me forward. So that was that was my very first list. Nothing massive, nothing earth shattering for sure. Just 20 daily tasks that I would practice every day that would move my camp forward. I wrote them down on graph paper because graph paper has nice little boxes for me to check, right? And every day I would track them and I would check the boxes. Now, my goal was to average 15 a day. I knew I wouldn't get them all done, but 15 would be massively impressive compared to what I was doing now, right? Some days it was miserable, seriously miserable. Maybe four or five would get checked. And then sometimes I would get to the end of the week and I would say, oh, well, I think I did that this day and this day and this day, right? And I was, I knew that I was kind of overestimating what I was doing. So then I had to make a rule that I couldn't go back more than one day and fill them in. Just full disclosure here, there were definitely days where nothing got checked. Nothing. 
In fact, sometimes there were weeks. At the beginning, there were weeks when nothing got checked. I would write them all out. I'd put the dates. I'd have the whole thing done. And nothing got checked. It would be blank all week. But I was determined to be better. I was determined to learn discipline. And at the end of the week, even though it was bad, the next week, I'd get out a new piece of paper. I'd write them all out again. And I'd try again. I was determined to move forward. I was not going to sprint anymore. Slowly, over weeks and weeks and months and months, it changed. Slowly, I developed the habit of checking boxes. And as I went along, my list changed too. I realized that some of these things I didn't need to track. Some of them were more important than others. And then there were new things I wanted to track as I tried to add those new habits. And let me tell you that even today, the list continues and the check boxes continue. In fact, as of right now, I've got seven done today, right? So I have this list and I keep it out on my desk in my office and I look at it and I work on it and I try to get as many as I can done every day. See, the thing about practice is that no one can do it for you. I know you know that, we all know that, but we forget sometimes. Or sometimes we just simply don't believe it. But I promise, I can't practice for you. I can't practice for my piano students. I can't do homework for my math students. No one can make phone calls for me or do my step work. Your therapist can't, your sponsor can't, your spouse can't, and your friends can't. Only you can. Only you can develop the discipline it takes to practice recovery. One of the things that worked for me to help me practice out of discipline and not out of emotion was to tell everyone about it. I told everyone about the 20 mile march list and what I did and how it was changing my life. And I told them about the race to the South Pole. I told them all about it. And then I asked them to check in with me about it if they remembered. One of my biggest motivators, one of the things that helps me change the most is accountability. If someone's going to ask me about something, I don't want to come up empty-handed. I don't want to have to say, well, I kind of stopped doing that. Or, wow, it's been weeks since I pulled that out. To help me, I asked people to check in with me about it. And all these people weren't in recovery. I didn't tell them everything on my list, all 20 items. But I just shared one or two that would ha- that maybe related to them. And asked them to check in with me about how it was going. One of the best ones I shared was the gratitude email. I hate email. I just think email is like time. I think it's like a life sucker. There's so many things. And every time I would open my email at work, I'd be like, oh, there's a whole nother hundred emails of people wanting things from me. And it just, oh, I hated it. One time I read a blog post. I do a lot of reading, but one time I read a blog post and this guy said, you know, the five emails that will change your life. And I was like, okay, I'll try one of them. One of them was to send a gratitude email every day pure expression of gratitude. You don't want anything from that person. You don't need anything from that person. You're not checking in on anything. You're just telling them thank you for something. And he talked about how just doing that one simple act would change your life. And you know what? It did. It totally did. I got up and the first thing I would do when I opened my email before I read anything is I would send this gratitude email to someone. 
And it did change my life because it made me look for things to be grateful for. So that was one of the ones that I would share with people. I'd be like, hey, I did this. Tw- I read this 20-mile march story, and I would tell them about it. And then I would say, I created my own list of 20-mile, my own 20-mile march list. And one of them on there is just gratitude email. And I would tell them about it. And it was awesome. They loved it, and they would check in with me. And not only that, sometimes like I'd get emails from them. Hey, thanks for telling me about this. It was awesome. So I created accountability even outside of my recovery circle around doing these tasks because these are the tasks that move me forward in recovery, whether they're recovery related or not, they still move me forward. Now, I realize that not everyone's a list person. As I've worked with women over the years in recovery and I tried to help them understand the importance of daily practice, I've learned a lot. Not everyone is ready for a list of 20 tasks. I totally get that. I was over a year into sobriety when I came across this, so I was ready for that. I was ready for 20 tasks, but maybe you're not. Hopefully you haven't tuned out already and just thinking about a list, right? (laughs) Maybe you're just not a list person. Maybe lists freak you out and you don't know where to start, what to do. I totally get that. I know not everyone is the same. And based on that and the experiences of others I've worked with, I've got five suggestions on how you can get started on being a good practicer, okay? So five suggestions. Again, these are based on my experiences with other people in recovery, not always in recovery, things that I have seen people have used to help them change and to help them start practicing. Okay, number one, ready? Start with an anchor behavior. Now, an anchor behavior is one task or behavior that you commit to doing every day. I was first introduced to this idea probably 20 years ago. One of my dearest friends had fallen into a deep depression after a massive tragedy in his life. And he started seeing a therapist. His therapist assigned him to make his bed every day. Now, he thought it was totally stupid. But his therapist promised it would result in a big change in his life. So, in an attempt to totally prove her wrong, right, he made his bed every day. And, believe it or not, it made him feel better. A lot better, like significantly better. He would go and tell everyone that they should make their beds every day because that's how much better it made him feel in his life. Now, using this behavior as an anchor, she started adding other behaviors before and after making his bed, right? So once he had mastered making his bed, a few weeks maybe, his next assignment was to read something uplifting after making his bed. So he kept this book under the bed and once he was done making the bed he'd grab the book and read for 15 minutes now this became a habit as well and then you know she asked him to add a prayer routine before making his bed using this making the bed as an anchor she just added things to his routine before and after after a few months he had a whole morning routine that really started changing the way he lived If that speaks to you, then try it. Find an anchor behavior. Maybe it's making your bed. I know that sounds stupid, but really it is significant. Maybe it's writing about your emotions or reading recovery literature. Something not too overwhelming, but also something substantial. Commit to it every day for two weeks, every day, no matter what. Make a big sign. Remind yourself that you're going to do it. Once you feel like you've got that under your belt, Use that as an anchor and start adding another behavior before or after until you have a whole routine that is making a significant difference in your life. 
I've seen this work. I've seen this work in lots of different people's lives. Finding that anchor behavior, something essential, something you have to do, maybe something that you'll do anyway, and then start adding to it something after, something before, until you have a routine. I used a similar idea with my morning routine, and I loved it. It really, really helped me. And I kind of just go through this routine now without even really thinking about it. I do this, then this, then this, then this, and I'm done, right? Finding that anchor on where to start can be really, really beneficial for you. Okay, so that's number one, anchor behavior. Okay, number two. So number two, consult with your 10-year sober self. Does that seem weird? Think about it, okay? If you could live a day in the life of your 10-year sober self, what would they be doing on a daily basis? I watched a documentary about a man who was recovering from alcoholism. He said that every year on his sobriety date, he liked to do something that he couldn't do when he was drinking. It really made me reflect on what I want my sober life to look like. What is it that my sober self would be doing in 10 years from now? This last year, on my third year anniversary of sobriety, I gave blood. Now, when you give blood, they ask you all sorts of questions about your sexual behavior. If you haven't ever done that before, just so you know. When I was acting out, I didn't feel like I could honestly answer some of those questions. I wasn't sure of the conduct of some of the partners that I had been sexual with. Now, though, I'm totally confident in answering the questions, and that has been a huge blessing in my life. Your 10-year sober self will be able to do a lot of things, a lot of things. Their life will be really different, much, much different than your life right now. Your 10-year sober self will have wisdom that you do not have. If you were to look into the future 10 years, what would a day in the life of your 10-year sober self look like? What would they be doing on a daily basis? Write it out. Go hour by hour. What would you want your 10-year sober life to look like? And then pick one thing. Pick one thing that they are doing and add it to your life now. Work on it until you get that one thing down. Then pick another thing. Pick another thing that they are doing and add it to your life. Are you not sure what your 10-year sober life could look like? Then ask around. Ask people around you. Look at people in the program you admire and ask them. Ask them what they do every day to stay in recovery, to practice in recovery. Your 10-year sober self will thank you for it. I promise. Now, I use this tactic all of the time. When I'm making a decision or working on something in recovery, I ask myself how my 10-year sober self would handle it. Totally works. It makes me feel wiser. It makes me feel like I'm making progress towards actually being that 10-year sober self. And it makes me really, really excited about what that 10-year mark will look like, what my life will look like. And I know that I can create that on a daily basis if I just continue to consult with my 10-year sober self. So try that. Number two, consult your 10-year sober self. Okay, next. Number three, now make it a competition. Now, I'll tell you just right now, this would never work for me. I'm not competitive. I, I don't really care. I don't really like competition. But I know lots and lots of people that this totally works for. Make it a competition. Once you've decided what you're going to do on a daily basis to practice recovery, you find a recovery friend or maybe even just your sponsor and you make it a competition. I even know people who have committed to the same daily practice routine and compete against each other about it. 
Whomever does their daily tasks most often over a period of time wins some sort of prize. This group that I am familiar with, they all put a dollar in every day if they do their daily tasks. At the end of the month, the person who did them most often gets the pool. There are several of them that work together on this. So the pool is usually like over 200 bucks, man. And at the end of the month, the person who did the tasks most often gets all of the money. Now they use like an electronic Venmo account and they move a dollar every day. That's how you keep track of if you did your tasks is you move your dollar at the end of the routine. It totally works for them. There's a big prize at the end, right? Find a buddy, find a friend, make it a competition, make a prize with some sort of evaluation period. Everyone could use an extra $200 at the end of the month, right? Competition is a great way to help build discipline about practicing your recovery, and it works for a lot of people. So that would be number three, make it a competition, build discipline using competition. Okay, number four. Number four is kind of similar, but it's a little different. Number four, make it a game. So let me tell you, my life totally changed when my friend told me that she started counting birthdays as levels instead of years. Like that would mean I'm at a level 40. Wow, right? Oh, you're only a level 29? Oh, sucks to be you, right? Feeling like I was at level 40 made me feel proud of all that I had accomplished, of all the experience I have at life and all the battles I've won to get to level 40. Seriously, level 40 is amazing. When you're playing a game and you level up, you usually get some sort of reward, right? Something that will help you on your journey to the next level. So use the same principle for your practicing. Pick something you want, something that will help you on your recovery journey or any journey you're taking. Maybe it's new running shoes, new clothes. Maybe it's a new book that you want. Maybe it's a new computer. Maybe it's a getaway. I don't know. Pick the prize and establish your level system. Maybe your level is like full completion of my daily practice tasks five times a week for four weeks, or maybe it's just two weeks, right? I don't know. You've got to figure out what you think that level would be. What would constitute leveling up for you? Then once you've gotten to that level, pick your prize and your next level, right? I've seen this work for lots of people. Turning something into a game is a great way to level up your recovery practice. And you can do it over and over and over again, right? You hit that level, you decide what the next prize is and what the next level is that you need to be at. I challenge you to share that level too. You can even kind of make that game and competition, put those together if you want. But again, really great idea to help you get to the next level. Make it a game. Okay, and the last suggestion I have is number five, find accountability. Like I said earlier, accountability is a huge piece of my recovery. And just so we're clear, accountability does not mean that someone is going to be mad or angry with me if I don't do my list. It doesn't mean I would get shamed because of it. And it doesn't mean that someone is going to hold this over my head, resent me, or make me feel stupid or dumb because I didn't do it. See, the thing is that left to my own devices, I'm likely to rationalize or justify. I can go through my week and say, well, I didn't do it because of blah, 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 right? And that was a good reason. So I, I don't feel bad about that. If I keep doing that over and over and over again, I'm not really moving forward. Accountability is someone I give an accounting to and who holds up a mirror for me. My accountability partner will say things like, you said this was your priority, the most important thing you were going to do, yet you let a lot of other things get in the way. 
So how can we do better next week? How are you going to better align what you say and what you do? It's not about shaming or guilting. It's about reality, honesty, and responsibility. If I say one thing and I do another, I'm not practicing recovery. Accountability helps me find that discrepancy in what I say and what I do. It helps me figure out how to do better. Accountability is awesome. So make sure, number five, that accountability is part of your journey to practice recovery. I hope these suggestions can help you get started. Again, you can get online and look at the worksheet that includes these five suggestions that will help you start your daily practice of recovery. Remember that the goal here is always to practice our recovery out of discipline and not out of emotion. And also remember, you're learning a new skill. You probably haven't been a good practicer either. And, or maybe you are, but you haven't figured out how to apply it to recovery. These are just some ways that you can get started. As you begin, I promise you're going to struggle. It's okay. We all do. We're putting new neural pathways in our brain. We're learning new behaviors and we're fighting old patterns that we've had for years. So I just want to give you kind of three cautions as you go along. Okay. Number one, be gentle with yourself. You're not going to be perfect at this. No way. You're not going to hit your mark every day. Remember the Amundsen team that made it to the South Pole, they only averaged 15 miles a day, even though the goal was 20. Progress, not perfection is our goal, right? You won't be perfect. Don't turn this into a shaming event in your life. Any progress is better than what you're doing now. Any progress at all is better than what you were doing before. Be grateful for progress. This is a hard one for me, for sure. I'm a perfectionist, a total perfectionist. But at the beginning, it's important that you're gentle with yourself. Number two, practice does not make perfect. I know people have told you that your whole life, right? Practice makes perfect. It doesn't. I promise. I've watched piano students practice difficult fingering passages over and over and over again for hours and hours and still never be able to perform it correctly. Why? Because they were practicing it wrong every single time. The goal of practicing is to improve our proficiency. If what you're doing is not improving your proficiency, stop doing it and find something different. If what you're doing and practicing at is not helping you get better and moving you towards greater recovery, then stop doing it and find something different. If your practice is not keeping you sober, if you're constantly relapsing, it's time to stop doing it and find something new and different to work on. Or the other option is to consult with someone to help you change what you're doing so that you're getting better and moving forward. Practicing wrong is not going to help you move forward. So make sure that the practice that you're doing is all about progression and forward momentum. And my last caution, number three, sometimes you have to slow down to speed up. I know that kind of seems counterintuitive, but it's true. Running right out of the gate doesn't always work for people. Not everyone is a sprinter. Think of Scott and pushing his team 40 or 50 miles every day for weeks on end. It didn't work well. Sometimes you have to start slow. You have to establish a solid foundation and then start to pick up speed. 
Like I said earlier, I was over a year into sobriety when I started my 20-mile march list. I was ready for 20 tasks and ready to commit the time it took. I was ready for leveling up my recovery practice. If you're just getting started, a list of 20 tasks is probably not the best place to start. Only you can determine that, though. Maybe starting with two or three is the best option. Start slow, lay a solid foundation, and then start to pick up speed. So make sure that you're gentle with yourself. Make sure you're doing the right kind of practice. Make sure that you're laying the solid foundation before you just start too quickly and overwhelm yourself. Remember, there's the worksheet online at worthrecovery.com that includes these suggestions and these cautions and can really help you to get started. I'm committed today to moving forward today. Every day, I must move recovery forward. But the best part is, I only have to do it one day at a time, right? So today, I'm committed. I'm checking my boxes, and I'm moving my camp. Tomorrow, eh, we'll handle that when we get there. As always, I want you to know that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter how you might be feeling right now in this moment, you are worth recovery. You are worth the fight. Keep going one day at a time. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.